Happy Friday. Hi guys, it's Angie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, a couple of announcements before I get started. Uh, number one, would you please help us out and share this? We are, um, we are, we've set a goal to, to be able to, to reach more people and it helps us if you would just simply click the share button and, um, and that way, you know, this goes a little bit wider. Anyway, the second announcement that I have is we are hosting a workshop starting next Monday at um, 1 p.m. Central Time. And um, it'll go, it'll start Monday and it'll go through Friday. So we'll be meeting every day next week, 1 to 2.30. And so it'll be an hour and a half. And we would love for um, anyone who is interested to be a part of that. There is no cost on it. We, um, Rebecca came down the beginning of July and um, did a conference with us and really just lit a flame. And um, in the middle of that conference, God just said very clear to me, govern the flame, govern the flame. And so that is what we are doing. We are, we are called to steward the yes well, and we want to come alongside and help everyone clarify the details of your yes. Yes just seems to be a big topic right now. If you were just on with uh, Stephen with Invictus, he was talking about God's yes over our life, which was phenomenal. If you didn't watch that, I suggest you go back and watch it because it was so good. You know, what was so refreshing for me is to hear a man talk about God as his lover. I mean, that was, come on, that was good. That was good. Well done, Stephen. So anyway, go watch that because it was, it was really good. And he was just talking about what happens when we allow the yes of God to, to really just come over us and, and take up residence. So very, very good. We are actually going to talk about the yes again today because it's just where we're at. We've been in a series called Yes, Lord, that we are wrapping up this Sunday. And so we want to like use up every ounce of, of this topic. And last night it hit me around, I don't know, seven o'clock. I was like, <gasps> it's Thursday night and I'm going live tomorrow and I haven't scheduled it and I have not even considered what I'm talking about. And so my husband and I were playing rummy and I said, what should I talk about tomorrow? And he said, Jesus, which, you know, was hysterical. He thinks he's so funny. And I was like, uh-huh, help. <laughs> and then he suggested Holy Spirit. As you can see, he's a funny guy. And then he got serious and he was like, Angie, why don't you talk about the other side of the yes? And the, the parts where we have to learn to say no. So that's what we're going to talk about is um, navigating the flip side of your yes, because it is just as important that you learn how to say no as it is to learn to serve the yes on your life. And um, <clears throat> you have to know, like, no, 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 with clarity what God is doing in and through you. Um, I, I'm going to get very real in this conversation and 
um, and share with you some things that have happened to me personally, where um, I slipped up and um, did not use my no effectively. And um, we're just going to call it what it was. It was, it was, it was being deceived. Like we are still capable of being deceived. And um, so before we get there though, I want to lay some groundwork so we understand what it is that transpires when we give God our yes. You know, we are looking to steward and to serve our yes well. And we still have some fleshly desires that we have to work through. We still have parts of ourselves that are not completely refined. <gasps> I know it's shocking, isn't it? Yes, Tabitha, it's a year of transition. I it, it it is. It's it's a year of transition for sure. And I also believe that it is a year of God just really coming in and burning up all of the leftover parts of us from last season. Like it served us for last season, but it, it needs to go. Like it's 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 just good. It's not God, right? And um, and so it's time for us to grow beyond that. And so I believe that he is intentionally revealing some darkness, some snares, some traps that, that we have um, found ourselves in unknowingly, you know, like let's not, let's not slip into shame here because that is not what this is about. This is about just allowing the light to shine in those dark places and to quickly translate it into the light. Like there is a reason why God invites us to confess our sins one to another. When we allow them to stay in here, they just create more and more trappings for us, more and more snares for us to get stuck in. And then we end up on the cycle around and around and around the mountain. And we don't want to be there anymore, right? Like, let's get off the dang merry-go-round. Okay. And I feel like he's, he's just pushing this merry-go-round. If you've ever been on a merry-go-round and been holding on with all your might and knowing that you're, you're losing grip, he's moving this thing even faster. Lose your grip. Go flying off because you don't belong in there anymore. Okay. Okay. Can you guys see my dog in the background? <laughs> he's adorable. <laughs> um, anyway. We are going to, we're going to start in Ecclesiastes. I know, strange spot for me to go. Ecclesiastes 9, because we have to uncover the fear of man in our life. This is the biggest trapping that we experience. And so we're just going to read this one little verse in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12. Um, for certainly no one knows his time like fish caught in a cruel net or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. Just like fish have no idea there's a net coming for them or um, like birds caught in a trap. You just don't know. Ecclesiastes 9.12 is where that's at. So, and, and it's talking about the, the fear of man here. That is a, it is a trap. It is a snare for us to be consumed with what will people think, right? And this is what gets us playing small. That was another thing that Stephen talked about this morning. I just love how I can like, just like point back to what somebody else just taught. Um, but that's what Stephen was talking about this morning is, um, is playing small, like being small-minded and not allowing ourselves to think as, as as broadly of ourselves as God does. Listen, it is not arrogance. It is not prideful. What is prideful is false humility. When we make disagreement with God by saying, well, what will people think? I'm just going to play down here where it's comfortable and I can control everything. 
that's actually prideful. So we, we have to learn to expand and become who it is that he says that we are. Okay, let's go over to um, Proverbs 29, 25. I've got a couple different Bibles out here. Um, this is, we're just going to read out of the, um, the Passion Translation. And this is um, Proverbs 29, 25. Fear. Actually, I'm going to start in 24. You are your own worst enemy when you partner with a thief, for a curse of guilt will come upon you when you fail to report a crime. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. But when you place your confidence in the Lord, you will be seated in the high place. Isn't that so good? That is so good. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. But when you place your confidence in the Lord, you will be seated in high places, which is where we already are. Okay. But when we allow the fear of man to come in, it, it pulls us from where we actually belong, right? Like we are, we are designed as co-heirs, but when we care more about what people think than what, what we care about serving God, that is, it's just, it's a, it's a mess. Listen, we honor our ego above God's ask when we can't say no. Ouch. I know it hurts when we honor our ego above God's ask. It's because we can't say no. It's because we're so afraid of what everyone else will think. Our, our ego is in our way. So we have to be very mindful. This is why we have to know with clarity what it is that God is asking us to do. And sometimes we are so afraid of actually saying the words. I mean, have you been there? Have you been there where, where it's like, you know, God is asking you to give voice to the thing that, that he's called you to do, and you are scared out of your ever-loving mind to actually say the words. It feels like your heart is going to come out of your throat. I've been there. I know, I know what that's like. But I also know that once you do it, you break through into new territory. And that is where I want to go. I want, I want to, I want to share with you that um there is a calling on my life to govern territory, to, to, to take territory for the kingdom of God. And this is really important. It's really important that I know with clarity that that is what God is calling me to do. Why? Why is it so important that I know? Because if I do not make a solid agreement with this, then I will waver when other opportunities arise for me to partner with. But when I know with clarity what it is that God is calling me to do, then I am I am brought into a space of wisdom for that time, and I can better I can better steward the call on my life. Is this making sense? I hope that this is landing well. Okay, before I get into my story, I want to read through Romans eight, and I understand Romans eight is a very familiar spot of scripture for us, but. This has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. We're going to start in one and we're going to finish up in 17. So now the case is closed. Can I get an amen? There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. 
For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now, Every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. Yes, the case is closed. I love that. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but by that dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. Okay, we're going to pause here. Somebody help me remember where we finished. That's your job because I'll forget. So your job is to remember where Angie stopped. Okay, deal? All right. So I want to tell you something that happened sometime back. I, I my, my desire here, and please hear me, is not to out individuals. I am outing spirits. Okay. Our job is to fight against the spiritual forces that come against the kingdom of, of God. And so it is our job to call those things out when they are present, when they have been unveiled and they they have their plan has, has surfaced. It is our job to call them out to free one another. Okay. This has nothing to do with people. So do not, I'm, I am telling you right now, I'm commanding you. Can I be this bossy? I'm going to command you to not allow your mind to try and figure out who it is that I'm talking about. Okay. This is really important to me. Okay. Some time ago, our family found ourselves in a, a space of, of um, need. We were in a, a deep place of need and I was out front of the church. We had um, a worship night and I was out front of the church and I was watering the flowers like I do. And God began to talk to me about my reputation. And I want you to understand that your reputation is wrapped up in your ego. Okay. This is, and our ego is, has everything to do with our flesh, our, our fleshly desires. And so when God was talking to me about giving up my reputation, at first I was like, little old me, I don't have a reputation, right? But I knew exactly what it was that he was pointing to. And it took a wrestling match of sorts. I, I, I'm pretty easy to take down. Let that be known. But it's still like I was wrestling in, in this moment where I was like, this hurts. And I don't want you to expose this. Isn't that always what the flesh is saying? This is the cry of our flesh. Do not expose me, right? But in the kingdom, when we are, when we are seated as sons, when we are seated in as royal heirs, we're like all kingdom minded. Like if this means we get to take new ground, let's go, right? That's the difference between the ego, the flesh and the kingdom minded son, okay? 
in the kingdom, a son is like, it's a, a king. We are kings. And we're saying this is for the advancement of the kingdom. But the ego, the flesh is saying, don't expose me. I'm so willing to protect myself that I will delay the advancement of the kingdom. Okay. Are we okay? Are we following? So anyway, here I am and I'm out there and, and he's talking to me and I, I'm sobbing. I'm a hot mess and it continues in to, to a space of worship. And, um, and I, I was just like, you know, belly crying. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're like, you know, it's all in your soul and your soul is in the space of, of wrestling with, with God and, and he's winning. He's winning. Listen, I, I had, I was in a space of intimacy. I was with the father. I, he was, he was caring for me. He was loving on me, doting on me, speaking life over me. And there was no time for me to even put up guards or for me to even uh, to gain clarity on what it was that he was asking me. All I knew was that it felt like great loss, what it was that, that he was asking. And, and here's what you need to know is if God is calling you to govern territory, it will likely cost you everything. The season just prior to that, he was revealing to me that, that we are so tethered to earthly goods, to treasures. And, and I grew up in, in a time in the church where everything was about be, being um, landlords and landladies, like we were taking the land kind of thing and everybody needed to own property and, and this kind of thing. And, and, and God brought us into a place where he's asking us to count the cost and, and, and life sucked. Can I be that bold? Like our life was not, not where I wanted it to be. There was great loss. And if you were on with us on Wednesday talking about shame, that's where it all began is, is in that space. And it just carried out and it had been eight, it's been eight long years of painful loss. And, um, I want to say, I want to insert here that um, as John and I were discussing this last night, if you don't know my husband, you should get to know him because he is, he overflows with wisdom and it comes out of nowhere and kind of hits you, uh, you know, slaps you across the face. Um, and uh, so he, we were talking about this last night and um, we were talking about, you know, the stories in the Bible that, that we love. We, we love the stories in the Bible. We love the stories. These are the two examples that I gave is we love the story about um, the, the, the woman at the well. We love that story, but we wouldn't want to insert ourselves into it and live it, right? Like we don't want to let the adulterous woman off the hook, right? Like that our ego is in, in play there and we mm, dirty, right? We love the story of Job, right? We love it. We can we can see ourselves in it and we love the end, the power play at the end where God shows up and is like, where were you? And totally restores Job. Job lost everything, 
everything. And the story begins laying out who he was. And he was a man of great honor in his in his city. And um, people went to him to gain. And um, suddenly, you know, we, we know as the story goes that Satan comes before the Lord and he's like, I bet you I could get him to turn. And Jesus is like, hey, give it your best shot. I know him. Right. We love these stories, but we do not want to live them. But it's kingdom, guys. We have got to wrap our minds around this because where we're going is going to cost us everything. And if you have not rightly counted the cost, you will hold on to it and you will allow your ego to play into it. Back to my story. So I'm laying there. I am seriously like I am laid out in this this worship night. And like I said, sobbing before the Lord and attempting to, to you know, be all in. You know, we want to. We want to be all in. And um, on the back side of this, um, we were offered a, a, an amount of money that would get us out of the, the financial situation that we were in, which I really do believe God allowed because he wanted us untethered from the earthly realm that we were in. And without even consideration I looked at it as a gift from God. Now, it has taken me a year to figure out what actually transpired. In this moment, because I'm called to take territory, right, for the kingdom, I said that, and it was important for you to know that. And this is where I'm saying, like, we have to know with clarity what it is that God is asking us to do so that we can understand the snares and the tactics of the enemy because he's come to kill, steal and destroy. Right. That, that's it. That's his assignment. And, and he will do it at all costs. And there are territorial spirits all around us. And I had no idea at the time that I was making a deal with a territorial spirit. But I did. Now. I in no way am feeling any sort of shame on this. And I'm even going to go as far as saying like that. There's no, not even any remorse that, that I'm feeling that in the moment when God opened my eyes to this, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that how deceived. I mean, like that, that's some serious deception <laughs> to, to have a spirit come in like that and, and to offer that kind of, of gift. And, um, but it wasn't God. And this is what I'm talking about is we have to understand the flip side of the yes. We have to know what to give our no to. And, and this has created a conversation within the leadership of, of our organization and, and realizing like everything has to be examined Everything from this point forward, everything has to be examined because we have to know what is God and what is not. You guys, as the church, we have been so like flimsy in this area, just willy nilly, like, oh, anything goes right. And we've gotten ourselves into trouble, into bondage as the church. And so we have to know what it is that, that, that is not God, because all that that my partnership with that territorial spirit did was cause delay, right? 
like it, it, it caused it caused delay, it, like a twelve months worth of delay, and um, and I'm not saying that that you know God God is not going to work things out. And one of my one of uh one of our leaders actually came back and said, you know, actually you're owed, <laughs> you know, and, and this was all uncovered by by prophecy to where we were examining some of the the words that we received um during the the conference and and one of them was about the territorial territorial spirit that has been um wreaking havoc in our area and um and and one of the responses to that was it's as if this spirit thinks it's owed something and that phrase right there is what got me. I was like, oh my gosh. Prophecy is powerful. It removes the blinders. Okay. Like we have to learn to allow prophecy to do its deep work. We have been collectors only. We have to allow the word of the Lord to actually penetrate and and do the work that it's been sent to do in us. So with that one phrase, it's as if the territorial spirit feels that it's owed. I knew exactly what had taken place in in that scenario, and 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 I want to walk you through what that looked like. I I simply replied, I think I know what this is. Let me do some work with the Lord, and and I'll get back to you. And that didn't take very long at all. I, it was like. Jesus, is this, is this real? Like, did this happen? And, um, and and you guys don't allow these kinds of moments to hinder you from turning and facing him, because that is what repentance is all about is turning away from that thing, bravely turning and facing him and say, search me, investigate my heart, investigate my mind, investigate my ego so that I can rightly crucify my flesh all over again, right? And and that does not have to be a tumultuous process. This does not need to be something that takes a, a, a full-on snot-level cry. Did I cry? Yes, because I was I was angry. <laughs> I was I was mad. I was mad that this that this happened, that it was so easy for me to be deceived and, and for me to, listen, I, I want to move back. He asked me just prior to this moment to give up my reputation. God was already attempting to open my eyes to, to where I was functioning in, in my flesh, right? He does this because he's kind, but without the experience I couldn't, I couldn't have known. Listen, the church hasn't been honest. The church hasn't been honest about pitfalls. And so I feel like it's my job to be honest about these things so that our eyes can be open because where we're going, we have to have eyes to see. There are real tactics of the enemy that are in front of us and we need to learn how to navigate them well. We need to learn to have eyes to see. Do you remember the story when Elisha is talking, he's got the freaked out servant who's like, ah, you know, they're they're coming and there's more of them than there are of us. And Elisha's like, open your eyes. He could suddenly see the greater are they that are for us that they than they that are against us. That's what we need, but it's going to take honesty on our end. As those who are stewarding the kingdom of heaven, we have to be honest about the pitfalls, about the things where we fell short. And that's all I'm doing. 
So I'm doing, this is not, Angie did it all right. Nope, Angie did it all wrong. Right? Like, I'm not going to belabor that point. We're just going to move on. We need eyes to see, and it's going to take honesty. So wherever it is that, that you have been tripped up, if you could if you could just be honest about it and, and go and bring that thing into the light, it, it's going to lose its power immediately. Okay, so that's what happened. Like the, the moment that this thing was exposed for what it thinks it's owed, it didn't show up. I don't know. When we function from sonship, enemies flee. Okay. When we function from sonship, which means I'm kingdom minded and my, my, my full thought process is I want to see the kingdom of heaven advancing. Right. That's what we want. We want to see the kingdom of heaven advancing on Sunday. We, um, we were in the middle of worship and, um, and, and Vince and I were just discussing what, what was going on. Things were feeling a little like off and apathetic. And, and I was feeling like God was, was talking to me about the scripture in Matthew where Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and it's the violent that take hold of it. But he was very specific about the first part of that. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And he was like, these are my children who refuse to stay seated. The kingdom of heaven is suffering violence at the hands of his children who refuse to rise up and be the sons and daughters of glory. Right? So let's be the kings that we've been designed to be and let's lay hold of the kingdom in the proper way rather than causing it pain. Okay? Let's not be the ones that are causing the violence against the kingdom. Let's be the ones who are advancing the kingdom by being willing to say, you know what? Expose me. If that advances the kingdom, great. Remove every unclean thing that is within me. Because until we're willing and able to do that, strongholds will continue to pull us backwards. Anybody out there have uh, two steps forward, one gigantic leap backwards, like you're tethered to bungee cords. It is because you refuse to stay seated as a son that you care more about your reputation than you do about the kingdom of heaven. We need to be honest about these things. It's really, really important. You guys, we will stumble and fall. I think that we we love the stories in, in our Bibles, but we don't want to live them. Because if we look at the book of Acts, we love everything that's happening there. And I bet you everyone on here has even said, I want that. I bet you've even asked, you're contending for it. We want the signs, we want the wonders, we want the miracles, we want the healings. I don't think you're willing to pay the price though. These, these, these fellas that were governing that flame, it cost them everything. If you look at Peter's life alone, look how exposed he was. One minute he's chopping a soldier's ear off and the next he's denying Christ. We have to know where we're seated. It is so important.
for those of you that said that's me, you're going to have to get a little bit violent. You're going to have to turn your back on the things that are holding you. Get back up on your co-seated throne. Jesus, help me die. Yeah. You guys, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. We have to be those who are making a way in the darkness. We have so many in our churches that are are inundated with strongholds and they're refusing to call them what they are. It's, it's, It's demonic. We're allowing the enemy too much territory because we're so afraid of being exposed. You know, we're just too afraid. Okay, can we go back to Romans? Hold on. I think right now what what I see is is like those of you who are feeling like you're attached to those bungee cords, I just think that in the spirit, you need to pull out your sword. You do. You just need to pull out your sword and sever those things. Like I told you, like this season for me over a year ago started off with God revealing how tethered I was to the earth, you know, like the things of this world. Those things cannot be a part of our value system anymore if we really want to be those who are used to advance the kingdom. The kingdom has to become what is most important in our life. In fact, inheritance has to become our our, our value system. Inheritance has to become our value system. It has to become our currency. It has to. We have to stop looking at everything through a worldly view. And I am not suggesting that we not, that we we be strange and not fit in, you know, like we are, we are, we are called to be a part, to, to create culture for the world to live in. That's what it means to be kingdom peoples. We are the, the culture creators. I don't want you to be weird and be like, ah, that's too worldly for me. Don't be weird. Okay. I am just saying, stay seated. Okay? It's our job. And as kingdom people, the inheritance has to become our value system and our currency. This is going to cost us everything. It is because God doesn't want us tethered to the things of the world right now. He needs kingdom people who are willing to say, possess me, Holy Spirit. Is that you? Are you willing to count the cost of being possessed by Holy Spirit? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. God has a whole lot of glory that he's wanting to dispense on the earth. Will you be one that he can break open and spill out? Is that you? Are you willing to cut the tethers? It's just, honestly, in this moment right now, I just, I feel like there is a grace. Just pull out your dang sword and cut those things. And I want you to feel the freedom as you do it. Cut ties. 
with what has held you for so long. Because I want you to be able to say yes to the call on your life and to also know what to say no to. But you can't do that when you're still being held. I want you to cut those tethers and ascend. Sit as the co-heir that you've been called to be, reigning in kingship, okay? Because that's who you are. Can we finish reading this? I have no idea where I finished. Don't care. I'm going to start in seven. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. You see? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad I told you a real life story here? Can you see it? For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. It's important that we cut those ties. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. And I hope that stings. It needs to sting. We have softened the call. Okay. First 10. Now Christ lives his life in you. That's what's happened. If you just did the, the activation and you cut those tethers, this is, this is you. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Say that over yourself right now. I am fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life in you. Ah, so exciting. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. Huh. Turns out it's death either way. Do you want the death that stings or the death that gives life? Forgot where I was. <laughs> Okay, but if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Verse 14, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance or the spirit of adoption enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba father or beloved father for the Holy spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. 
And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. I do want to pause right here and say that part of sharing in all of his treasures is being willing to expose the darkness, which means we have to learn to be honest. We have to learn to be authentic and vulnerable. Okay? Who's in? I know it's a loaded question. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. I think that for some of us, we need to go back to the place of the cross. Okay. We need to realize that we have been co-crucified. To die to ourself, we have to start there. We have been co-crucified. Go back and read through the story. His story is our story. He died our death. We were with him. He brought us into himself. We were co-crucified, co-buried. And co-raised. And now we are co-heirs. Everything that is the father's became the son's and therefore became ours because we are now part of his family through Christ. You need to allow the co-crucified union to become who you are. Allow his blood to cascade over you. Seriously, we need to go back there and understood what was done on our behalf. I love um, one of the the Helser's new songs. Um, it says that the father bankrupted heaven. The father bankrupted heaven. That was that was the ransom. He bankrupted heaven to get us back. Remember. We were enemies in our minds, not in God's. That separation was on our end, not his. He's never once changed his mind about his creation. He's quite fond of us, actually. Go back to the place of the cross and understand what it is that has been done on our behalf. It was a violent act so that we wouldn't have to live by the constraints of our flesh any longer. We have been raised to new creation life so that we can rise up as sons and daughters of glory and cover the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. That's the plan, guys. But we have to be willing to expose the darkness. We have to be willing to be honest about what's been taking place in our lives. Now, I am not suggesting that you go and start telling everyone everywhere, everything that you've ever done wrong. That's use wisdom. Okay. Let's not be foolish. Use wisdom. It is really important that you even ask God, who is it that you want me to go to? Okay. Don't be goofy. Don't just go find anyone anywhere because oftentimes what we want to do in these moments is go find someone who's in a worse mess than us because we're not really interested in exposing our flesh. You need to go to someone who's capable of holding you accountable to the call 
on your life, who's going to know when you're saying yes to things that you shouldn't be, who's going to be like, whoa, I think you meant no. Okay. These need to be people who you're capable of submitting to because they're capable of stewarding your life well. Okay. This is important. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for what it is that you are bringing us into. Oh my gosh, I can just feel your power just pressing in all around us right now. You have us exactly where you want us and you are exposing every scheme of the enemy that has come against us, every tactic of the enemy that has been designed to kill us, to destroy us, to steal everything from us. And I'm putting you on notice. Enemy, I'm putting you on notice, you see, because as heirs, because we have just made a decision to be seated as co-heirs of Christ, we are coming into your camp and we are going to plunder it because we are those who are taking back territory for the kingdom of heaven. Look at us putting our crowns on, walking upright as those who know who they are. We are not going to be the ones who cause the kingdom of heaven to suffer violence any longer. We are going to be those who lay hold of it and spread it out, violently plundering the enemy's camp and taking back what is rightfully Jesus's. Right now, we just confess all over again that Jesus, you are worthy to receive the reward of your suffering. And as joint heirs, that is us rising up in fullness right now, agreeing with who it is that you say we are, that we are those who will govern territory to take back the land. We will be as big as you need us to be because you are worthy. You are worthy to receive the reward of your suffering, Jesus. And it's an honor to live our lives for you. And I just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you are just pouring in wisdom so that we are capable of confronting this fear of man that we keep bumping into. This fear of man that is attached, that pulls on our ego. And we put you on notice, ego. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ. And I thank you for the anointing that you are releasing right now to effectively and permanently step into this space. We're not going back. We're moving forward. From this day on, the kingdom is advancing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, I love you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon.